and then it was just a matter of um, of listening. Uh, one of our one of our email follow ups is literally a picture of Chris at a desk, like like looking back at the camera, looking really cheerful, saying like, "Hey, like nice to meet you." Um, and we ask, <laughs> it's a great picture. And we ask like, "Hey, like why are you here? Um, like why do you care about this stuff? Who are you?" Like, um, and it's a different message for enthusiasts. For enthusiasts, um, it's actually me because <laughs> I'm sort of the enthusiast person. Like. Hey, are you here because you're trying to impress, uh, you know, a potential uh, date? Are you here because you want to make better cocktails? Like, what, what do you care about? Welcome to the Online Course Guy podcast. I am Jacques Hopkins, the Online Course Guy, and this is the show where we show you how to turn your hobby or passion into a profitable online course. I was able to do just that with the piano, and now after eight years as an engineer, I'm proud to say that I'm able to support my family just for my online piano course. On the show today, I was joined by Chris and Julia, who is a married team that works on their own online course about mixology, mixing drinks. It's, it's a niche with, within bartending, and they do that over at abarabove.com. And we got into some, to some really cool topics today. We talked a lot about segmentation, which is something I'm thinking a lot about today for my piano course. And that is asking questions to your audience and finding out more about them. That way you can provide them with better information and provide them with even more value. What else we talked on the show today was we talked about how they work as a team. You know, like I said, they're a married couple and the way it works is really cool because Chris is, is the expert mixologist and then Julia is, is the marketer. She's the tech person and, and it seems to work really, really well. And we talked about how, you know, once they got their idea for their online course, they did almost everything right. It was amazing. I hear so many stories about how people just kind of kind of went for it and they, they started making their online course and all these things they did wrong. Well, they actually took the time and figured out the right way to do things and executed and it worked out really, really well for them. And, and of course, we talked about what Chris's go-to drink is and he even gave me a, a recommendation, uh, a recommendation for myself as well. So let's go ahead and jump into the interview with Chris and Julia of abarabove.com. Chris, Julia, welcome to the show. Hi there. Thanks for having us. Yeah, sure. It's great to have you guys. So, you know, I like to ask the important questions first. So, so Chris, let me ask you this. I'm a tequila guy. I don't <laughs> like my drinks very sweet. What would you mix up for me? You know, uh, a classic um, margarita, you can't really go wrong. Um, Palomas Paloma. are really good with the mm -hmm. grapefruit soda. A little on the sweet side, but you add a little acid to it to kind of counteract that sweetness. And it's a very refreshing cocktail. Um, but yeah, tequila is... You, the blank slate, you can do so much with it. I remember once I made a uh, pineapple um, and celery soda and mixed it with tequila, and it was, it was really good. <laughs> well, I've, got my, uh, I've got my afternoon coffee in hand, but I'm kind of regretting that decision right now. That sounds really good. <laughs> Definitely don't add tequila to your coffee. I don't recommend that one. <laughs> yeah. No, I'll That's tell you one thing I did once, and maybe this is uh, not the right thing to do, but we were having Bloody Mary's one morning, and instead of uh, vodka, I put tequila, and it was actually pretty good. That is a really good way of having a Bloody Mary. I, uh, I love that, and gin also. Uh, I don't know if you're a gin guy, um, but gin and a Bloody Mary is really good. Okay, so you guys, you know, before we get too carried away with that conversation, you guys uh, have an online course, among other things, uh, related to mixology. And that's why we're talking about drinks right now. So why don't you just start by, tell me what the breakdown and roles are and, and why are there 
two of you working on this business. Yeah, Julia, you want to uh, you want to take that up? Take that one. Sure, sure. So um, Chris and I are married. We are a team of two. I like to joke nowadays we're a team of two and a half, but the toddler's not very useful, uh, <laughs> especially when it comes to cocktails. Uh, he's, he's definitely not allowed behind the bar. But um, we started, well, this, the whole thing started really with Chris. Um, Chris has been in the hospitality industry for years and years. He was a career bartender um, before we started the blog, before we even met. Um, and um, tell, tell me if I'm telling the story wrong, Chris, but basically he found that as he tried to educate himself as a bartender and get into the more craft mixology sort of field, um, he quickly found his resources dried up online. Um, he, he could find books that were written in 1885, but he couldn't find any resources that were online to help teach these techniques. And that's sort of where the idea came from. He made a really good move, which was to register a barabove.com, um, our original do domain name, uh, in like 2005, um, and then in, what was it, 2011, I think he made his other really good move uh, when he asked me out on a date. So, <laughs> <laughs> And the rest is history, yeah. The rest is history. We, um, I am a little bit more of an operations data person, um, and Chris is truly the hospitality and cocktails expert. Um, so as it happens, we made a really good team. Uh, I figured out how to, in our, I guess it was early 2013, Mm -hmm. um, we both had a project on our hands. Chris's job was to figure out how to build a bar in our dining room where we could film. And my project was to learn how to start a website. And so I created the website, Chris created the bar. And I think we posted our first post around June of that year. And I guess, yeah, the rest is history. Sure. So as far as the online course goes, because I know you guys have a lot going online, you registered a barabove.com, which I love the name. As far as the online course go, I mean, when, when was that moment where you decided I want to make an online course. So um, I'll take this one if it's all right. So oh, yeah. um, my original idea way back in 2005, when I registered the domain, um, there wasn't a lot of access to technology and things were still kind of um, evolving on the online world. Um, my original idea was to do a DVD set because that's what other people in my industry have done. Um, so when Julie and I first talked about it, I was like, I want to create a course. I want to put it on DVD and I want to mail them out to whoever buys them. And she's like, we need to talk. <laughs> <laughs> so, and this, you know, this was uh, over years and years and years. And um, then Julia introduced me to a couple of the podcasts. And then we started kind of re-engineering the way a bar above was going to kind of present itself in the course. Um, and I think we found a pretty good, a pretty good way of doing that. Yeah. I think the thing that maybe is perhaps a bit unique for us is that actually the very, 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 very first idea was the course, the blog, the podcast, everything else came after that. Um, as we sort of figured out what were the best practices for creating and selling a course. Um, the idea of content marketing was totally foreign to us when we started. Um, but, and trust me, it took some persuading, like, hey, Chris, we're going to sell your videos by making videos and giving them away for free. He's like, oh, no, <laughs> that, <laughs> that sounds a, like a terrible a idea. That uh, to, to swallow. Like, what? Free information? What? <laughs> why is everybody? Why is anybody going to buy anything if I give everything away for free? I think it's it's a common I think um, a common thing for people to be concerned about. Um, but as it happened, we kind of followed what we saw were best practices at the time and started the blog first. And actually, as it happened, I think that was good because it gave us some um, some time to learn how to make videos before we were making the videos we were going to charge money for. So Chris, you mentioned that your first idea was to put your course on a DVD and that would be a physical product basically. Right. And 
Julia, you shared some podcasts with, with Chris. Is that what you said? And if so, what, what podcasts were those? Well, I think it's kind of the, uh, the gateway drug to online marketing uh, that a lot of people uh, get started with, but uh, Pat Flynn. Um, mm-hmm. And when she introduced it. Smart Passive me, Income. Yeah, it was like, wow, this is really interesting information. And then I was still bartending at the time uh, during the day um, in the financial district. So uh, when I was sitting at my bar, I'd be listening to as many of these podcasts as possible um, before the customers came in. So that's kind of where it all kind of started was um, being introduced to online marketing and the space and how to do it right. And, you know, then you start to learn about other people in the industry and following them. And, um, you know, it just starts to evolve and you start to have your own ways of thinking about uh, online marketing. So that's kind of how it all started with us. Okay. So once you started getting into this podcast, you realized that an online course was the way to go over a DVD course, right? And you wanted to start moving forward. So you didn't just make the course, you started doing, building a website, doing a blog, putting some YouTube videos. You mentioned free videos. Is that kind Mm -hmm. of the process? Maybe building your list first before the course Mm -hmm. was available? Is that a fair assessment? Yeah, that sounds about right. And In fact, of some, these, of those, some of those early videos are um, embarrassingly still on the internet. <laughs> so, terrible. They're, so they're bad. real bad. They're real I, bad. <laughs> I, I know exactly what you mean. I mean, my story's pretty similar, actually. And, and one of my first piano videos, it's literally thundering outside. You can hear it going, and I'm trying to talk over it. And my keyboard is crooked on camera. It's, uh, it's embarrassing. But, you know, you, know you get better. That? that's the thing you got to start there and actually that's one of the things i'm grateful for is that we started with the free stuff and so somebody's complaining over the quality of the video i'm like it's youtube like what do you expect it's free but when we got to you know a year later when we were actually making the content we had some a little bit of experience with video under our belt and we were able to make it a lot better in terms of production quality but you got to start somewhere you can't try to start with your first video being great or you're never going to get anything ever done Absolutely. I mean, I, people ask me about video quality and stuff like that. And I always show that original video. And then I always show them whatever my latest video is because it's just night and day. Yeah. And I didn't go like that from video one to video two. Like there's videos in the middle and people just have to get the up level, level each and every time. And it sounds like That's you guys fun. did that as well. So give me an idea of the time frame here. You, you had the idea, you start putting, you start publishing those in blog posts. What, what year are we talking about? So our first published blog post, I want to say went live around June 2013. Um, and we, I, I was pretty deep on all the best practices, blogs and all that stuff. So we, we dug in pretty quickly with things like list building and all that. I mean, we didn't have a big list, but we had a little list. Um, and we, we sort of set that stuff up right from the get-go. Um, we published weekly. Um, we pu- published a YouTube video every single week. Um, and I want to say... Gosh, I'm trying to actually, no, I do remember we pre-launched the course on midnight, uh, midnight of New Year's 2014. So it was that very, so within a year, um, within eight months or so, we had pre-launched the course. We, we, by pre-launch, I mean, we launched it before we made it Um, and we sold it to people. And it's a really terrible idea to do that when you're hosting a New Year's party. (laughs) (laughs) Um, we, we hosted a New Year's party and I pre-launched it to our list at 9 p.m. And then it went out, it went live on social media at midnight and we got our first sale at like 9.15. And I remember walking through the house, like kind of crying a little out of joy. And everybody's like, why are you crying at your New Year's party? It's so awkward. <laughs> so what made you guys want to, to pre-sell the course rather than make it and then sell it? Um, I think for us it was accountability um, because it, the, the course I created was so big 
that we knew that it was going to take us forever to do it. So if we didn't have that constant, you know, accountability, like every week we have to be able to publish the next chapter of our online course um, because people have already paid for it. So it's a way of kind of, um, you know, just getting things done and making sure it gets done. Um, during the time, it very much felt like you're on a runaway train and you're putting the tracks out in front of the train. Um, you know, like those old uh, um, cartoons. The, the Wallace uh, and Gromit cartoon. <laughs> yeah, but it, you know, it, it ended up working out really well and the course I created was, um, it was really good. I think it's- um, Something we're really proud of. Yeah, absolutely. But it kicked our butts. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. And then we took a week off to travel or 10 days off to travel during that. Something like, yeah, like we finished the course and then like the next morning we left on a flight to Morocco. <laughs> Got to reward yourself. The, the launch must have gone well then, I guess. It, it, did. it went well enough to produce. Um, I don't actually remember how many sales we I had. I should, I should look that up. It yeah. wasn't, it wasn't um, two people, but it certainly wasn't a hundred either. Um, but it was enough. It was enough for us to be motivated to get that work done. Um, and the way we structured it was there was, I'm trying to go in my memory here because we've restructured it a little since then, but I want to say it was nine chapters uh, or sections. Um, and we just did one a week. We said a new one's going to come out every single week. We'll send you an email when it's ready. Um, and that was our accountability. That was it. Like we had to have it ready every, every single Sunday night or whenever we sent it out. Um, and it was very effective, but oh my gosh, it was, yeah. I think <laughs> the course was bigger than it, than it was bigger than we realistically should have signed up to create one a week for, if that makes sense. I don't, I don't think I've ever heard somebody say that, yeah, I, you know, I set out to create this course and it was just so much easier to put together than I expected. <laughs> yeah. Whoever they are, they can make our next course. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's probably kept, not uh, very good if somebody wants to say that. Yeah, it's yeah, true. We kept thinking, you know, minimal viable product, let's just get it done. And then the, the more we dug into it, we're like, we can't, no, we have to do it this yeah. way. Yeah. And uh, that's when it just kind of, you know, took on a life of its own. Um, so, so a lot of people, when they, they get this idea for an online course, you know, the, the first thing they want to do is make it, right? And, and you mm -hmm. guys took the right approach where you spent months and months uh, putting out content, building an audience first. Do you have any, any idea what kind of numbers we're talking about? Like how big was your list mm. back then when you, when you first launched or pre-sold pre the course? I, I would have to look it up. I just don't remember. I mean, it really can't have been much because we were only we we're only out for eight months or something. So yeah, and I, I'd be surprised we, if we had a thousand people on our list. It'd be pretty. Yeah, scary. really. Yeah, we we're such a small like niche inside of a much larger niche mm -hmm. um, that I think our 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 audience is extremely focused, um, but it's it's not a large audience at all. Um, so we highly targeted those those exact people that are looking for what we offer. And I think one of the really key things that I would mention that I'm grateful we did is um, because we had that eight months prior, I think it gave us a little bit of an opportunity to learn a lot more about our audience before we actually created the thing for them. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we connected with some people directly. And I think like the first guy to join our list, I emailed him. I was like, hi, let's be friends. Like, tell me about yourself. I think he was kind of creeped out. Um, but we had to learn about these people. Like, where are you? you know, finding out they're in Brazil, they're in Australia, they're in Canada, they're all over the place and learning about the things that drive them, the things they care about. Um, I think, I think it helped us make a better course. Our, it's interesting because our time is, I started around mid 2013 as well and launched later that year as well. Oh, really? But it's, it's crazy how much more you guys did right than I did. So oh, you're very kind. <laughs> 
but but looking back, you know, now it's 2017. This is um, you know some fast math. This was four um, almost five years ago. Looking back, knowing everything you know today, you know, is there anything you would have done differently back then? Hmm. On the one hand, um, I think if I knew then what I know today, I think I might not have signed up to pre-launch it and things like that. But I'm really glad I did. Um, what do you say, Chris? I mean, the fact that we went through it, like it sucked. It was really hard to get it launched in that time frame. But now it's done. And it's something we're really proud of. And I think in a lot of ways, it's timeless. Um, so I'm kind of glad I didn't know how hard it would be. <laughs> um, I don't know. What do you think, Chris? Would you change anything? Um, I think, you know, little things like as we see the um, industry kind of evolve and take on new new ways of doing digital marketing and video marketing in particular, I would have probably taken a lot of those lessons back. Like um, a lot of the videos that we produced in the beginning were very uh, long uh, format. Mm -hmm. So they were like 10, 15 minute videos, um, you know, diving pretty deep into like theory and stuff like that. I think I would have made them a much more smaller videos, much more digestible, much more shareable um, and focused on kind of that, that nature of video um, mm -hmm. versus this long drawn out format. So I think uh, that would have been the, the one thing I would have changed. So you guys actually uh, record, produced your course in 2014 and they can go and buy today. It's the exact same course from back then? A lot of it is the same. Um, we've definitely polished it up a little bit. Um, well, I should say a lot um, we've, in terms of like production quality and editing and things like that. We've, we've definitely um, fixed it up quite a bit, um, but a lot of it is the same. A lot of the techniques aren't different. You, can, you balance a cocktail the same way today as you did five years ago um, and, you know, for the next 50 years, hopefully. So yeah. certainly we'll keep it updated as new techniques come, come up and things like that. But for the most part, it really is pretty timeless. Mm -hmm. A lot of uh, a lot of core there um, are are 100% on the computer. A lot of internet marketing courses, things like that. But you know, I like to focus on core hobbies that they're passionate about, and then they make a course. and And one of the problems with that is you can't just do screenshots on your computer. You actually have to have a camera set up, and and have to be a recorded person demonstrating whatever that thing is, right? So, what does your course look like? I mean, do you have multiple camera angles? How where was the microphone? Can you walk me through that? Um, yeah, so it was, um, it was all in the, as Julia mentioned in the beginning, we built a bar in our dining room um, in more of a set than anything. So um, the course is being taught at that set. Um, it's a, I think we have a couple different camera angles, but usually it's just kind of a face, like head on uh, mm -hmm. camera. Um, yeah, and it's Chris standing a, behind the bar talking to the camera. Right, and then we break it up with um, you know different angles and different shots and stuff like that. Pop-ups, I think we added um, as mm -hmm. well. If there's some key techniques or key uh, messaging that we want to really drive drive home. Um, yeah, I'll put like a you know if Chris mentions three bullet points. I'll go like bullet point one, bullet point two. Bullet, I'm trying to get it on the screen. One, two, three <laughs> on the side next to him in the editing because I think it makes it a little bit more engaging. Yeah, so just look at a ways to kind of make it more interesting versus somebody just talking at you. Um, Julie did a really good job of doing the post-production on it and weaving those kind of elements in. Um, and then that's pretty much uh, how everything worked. And then I think um, I didn't know a lot about audio uh, back then. So I think it was just a lapel mic, um, you know, straight into my iPhone or I can't remember what it was, you know, recording the Something like that. Yeah. And then yeah, we just maybe. kind of merge them in post-production. Yeah, I think maybe maybe if what's that's a good lesson learned that we had is is now our audio audio quality is definitely better on our videos. Um, but for the most part, the setup's pretty similar. Good, yeah. yeah. Well, you know, when I first when I, when I was first doing videos, 
Uh, I didn't know, you know, the, the number one tip I have for people today about video is have great audio. Yeah. That, that's really, that's really the way to have great video. And uh, so you used a lapel mic. I mean, that's better than I was doing. I mentioned you guys did so much more right than I was doing. Um, so let's, let's talk about some, some technology and some tools uh, because that, that's a big hang up for a lot of people. So, you know, what, what kind of technology are you using in terms of having a like membership site where it's password protected mm -hmm. and, and what kind of email autoresponder are you using? Things like that. So um, I'm going to give you two answers. At the time we were on MailChimp um, and nowadays we use ActiveCampaign because our list is bigger and we want to do a little bit smarter things with our autoresponders. Um, but those are both great solutions. <clears throat> From a technical perspective on the website, we use Paid Memberships Pro. Um, the, the learning management solution we use is called WP Courseware. Um, it's fine. I don't love it, to be honest with you. Um, um, Paid Memberships Pro Slam Dunk is great. Um, I think it's pretty industry standard. I think a lot of people use it. Um, they've been pretty good. Um, I think maybe I, I, if I were starting over today, I'd probably look at uh, I'd probably look at the marketplace again to see what options there are for learning management. And when I say learning management, of course, um, the two pieces I'm discussing are Paid Memberships Pro, which is the thing, it's where you put in your credit card information and gives you a login username and password and lets you log into the secret part of the website. Um, on the other hand, the learning management solution is the thing that keeps track of like, oh, you've done these three units and here's, you know, if you log out and log back in, it'll show you how far you got and it'll keep track of how well you do in quizzes and things like that. Hopefully that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. So next let's talk about marketing, right? Because you can't just make something and, and people are going to show up. So what, what's, what are some of your biggest traffic drivers and, uh, and top of the funnel things that get people to eventually buy your course? Uh, well, I mean, honestly, most of our traffic is coming from organic Google searches and we have a lot of like little niche terms that people that people google to come to us like what is campari and things like that because we do still have a blog we publish a couple times a week now um we have the podcast as you mentioned all this stuff so we've got a pretty good deal of, of content marketing across the board we have um, built up our social media presence over the years across the various platforms so we certainly have the sort of standard um mix of uh inbound traffic um we definitely encourage people to join our email list. Um, one thing that we do that I think has been really powerful is, uh, I mentioned that I'm a, a data nerd um, in, in my past life. Uh, well, that definitely sort of seeped through into a bar above. And one of the things I did right off the bat was, when you sign up for our list, you have to tell me who you are. Are you a cocktail enthusiast? Are you a bartender? Are you a manager? Um, are you an owner? Are you an, a media person? All this sort of thing. Um, and I segment our list accordingly. So for example, I sell our, and so after you join our list, you get an, an autoresponder sequence, um, which does the usual, um, you know, you start with the first, first of all, you give them the thing they signed up for, obviously. And then we send a message, I don't remember the exact order, but um, some useful tips and tricks, depending on who they are. I'm not going to tell a cocktail enthusiast how to make more money behind the bar because they're not working behind the bar. Um, but I am going to tell a bartender how, um, and we're going to tell them some great resources for books they might read, some um, ideas for ways to keep learning. And then that's when we start to include the soft sell. Like, by the way, if you're into this sort of thing, if you like to uh, always be learning new things, um, you might want to take a look at this cool thing we have, this program that we have. Um, I sell it very differently for actually novice versus advanced bartenders. We have testimonials of people who said, oh, this was amazing. It really helped me get my start behind the bar. And I have testimonials from people who said, I've been behind the bar 20 years and I, le I still learned a lot. And of course, I choose those testimonials accordingly so that it'll resonate with 
the, that segment of the list. I, I love that you're doing segmentation. I noticed that when I went to your website because I signed up for your email list to get your contact information and I nice. noticed you were doing the, uh, the segmentation and I'm actually working on that right now. Um, I, I looked at, uh, I don't know where you got your information. I'm going to ask you that, but I, I got some information from a guy named Brennan Dunn who focuses on oh, yeah. segmentation. And also I am literally reading right now. I started it last night. Ask by Ryan Levesque, who's another oh. segmentation guy. So are those, <laughs> I, I just started it, but uh, it's coming highly recommended to me. And nice. uh, it, it's, you know, segmentation, I think is a really cool topic for the, for the things that we're doing because you can get just so much more personal and you so much more value to people. You can provide oh, yeah. them what they're looking for. So it's where did you, it's hugely powerful. Yeah. Where, where did you get the idea to segment and, and how to actually implement it? So my honest answer is that, I mean, I used to work in the data side of the pharmaceutical industry. So I've kind of been in the data world for a long time. And the more data you have is just always more power and more information. So I honestly don't know. I don't really feel like um, I, it's not something I kind of researched in and of itself. Um, you know, I, I literally worked in like, organizing data feeds and, and using that data um, back in, in industry. So I, I think some of my professional background came into play there. Um, and then it was just a matter of, um, of listening. Uh, one, of our, one of our email follow-ups is literally a picture of Chris at a desk, like, like looking back at the camera, looking really cheerful, saying like, hey, like, nice to meet you. Um, and we ask, <laughs> it's a great picture. And we ask like, hey, like, why are you here? Um, like, why do you care about this stuff? Who are you? Like, um, and it's a different message for enthusiasts. For enthusiasts, um, it's actually me because I'm sort of the enthusiast person. Like, hey, are you here because you're trying to impress, uh, you know, a potential uh, date? Are you here because you want to make better cocktails? Like, what, what do you care about? And um, we thought that bartenders wanted to make more money and we were very, very wrong. Uh, they don't actually, well, they do, but that's not their pr primary driver. The, the very first thing they all care about, everybody who replied to our email said they just care deeply about mixology and craft cocktails. They care about making things that taste good. They care about the customer experience. They care about hospitality. It's a career for them that they actually get a lot of fulfillment from. And I was like, what? Like, I expected everybody to say they wanted to make more money. That's, like, it really surprised me. And so um, as we started to get those replies, you could really see sort of people dividing themselves into different camps and you could see how different messaging would resonate with different people. And so over time, I got more intelligent about segmenting the list. Honestly, MailChimp was fairly limited at the time on how you could segment. So we didn't do nearly as much until we switched to active campaign, which if I recall, the pricing is pretty similar, but it's intimidating. So if you're starting out, I'd probably start out with MailChimp. Um, I think they're smarter now. I think you can do more now than you could in 2013 with segmentation, um, but um, you can do pretty cool stuff with active campaign where you start to segment people based on what they click on, based on what they're interested in. Um, I would say don't go too crazy because you're going to just sort of get absolute analysis paralysis. Um, but I think just I, I, if you think about your audience and try to divide them up by what they deeply care about, um, I think that's enough. That's enough to, to create a message that's going to resonate with them. I use active campaign as well. I'm a huge fan. Oh, that's what I recommend. Yeah. That's what I recommend to, to fall. And you can start off simple, but it's just so much more powerful than things like MailChimp and Aweber. I started out with Aweber and eventually I just outgrew. Mm -hmm. Incredible. And you can do a lot of cool segmentation things with it. And I'm, I'm kind of in the middle of that. So I'm fascinated to hear 
your segmentation and also see it firsthand when I went to your website. So Chris, yeah, I want to- so You probably signed to, up as an enthusiast, right? I, I, I put a uh, podcast host. Oh, okay. Okay. So I'm, I'm curious. I'm not sure which bucket you got put into. I'll have to look. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sure I put enthusiast. So go back to something you said a few minutes ago, because uh, I wanted to ask you about this. You mentioned that you, you're a niche within a bigger niche. You're a small niche within a big niche. What are the, what's the small niche? What's the big niche? So the small niche, um, so actually it's probably a three or four layers deep um, niche. So the, the large niche is obviously cocktails. Um, within that niche, we're professional bartenders, um, but that can be huge as far as, you know, I'm a nightclub bartender. I'm a, you know, different kind of bartender. So mixology or craft cocktails is a very small segment of that much larger audience. Um, and then within that, we have um, professional, like career-oriented people that are actually in charge of beverage programs um, that create cocktails and go through that process. So that's primarily... Um, who we're focused on is the craft bartender, um, but also with a focus on career development. Um, so that's kind of how we went down through that, uh, that kind of um, structure. I'm, uh, I'm just fascinated by, by your, your structure as a team, the two of you, because, you know, Chris, you've got the expertise and then Julia, you've got the, the marketing and the tech and everything. And I'm honestly, I'm a little bit jealous because you know, I've had to do everything myself, basically. And fortunately, now I kind of have a team built around me um, and my wife, you know, she raises the babies and she's great at that. Um, so that, that's awesome. The, the next question I have is I, I'd like to hear both of your perspectives. So um, Chris, if I could start with you, what, what advice do you have for somebody that's just starting out? They have a hobby, something they're passionate about. They want to turn it into an online course. What advice do you have for that person? Uh, marry somebody that knows how to uh, do website <laughs> design and understands data. Um, but I think honestly, I think it's do your research, um, you know, start figuring out who else is out there, um, seeing who's successful um, and start to gain your own kind of style, right? So if you're doing video, if you're doing audio, um, kind of figure that out, you know, find a couple of people that you're like, hey, they're doing really good work. I'm going to start to see what techniques they're using, what kind of equipment and stuff like that. Um, you know, build your list and all that, um, but get started. Um, I think that's the biggest thing is don't be afraid to start creating content. Uh, I think people can get really wrapped up in that. And I, I know I'm guilty of it as well. Um, but have that, have that long-term goal in mind because that'll help drive you um, towards it. Um, but yeah, just start creating and get better and focus on, you know, improving a little bit every time that you do it. Julia? Yeah, I, I guess um, this is perhaps a weird, weird advice to give, but um, I would say if you're not really sure that you really want to like support a blog and social media and ongoing um, content and all this stuff, like why not create a tiny course on Udemy? Like create something really, really small. Um, and whatever your idea of your course is, you may think something, but it's, it's version 10. Whatever your idea is, it's version 10. Now work backwards and find version one. Take stuff out, make it smaller, cut it into pieces. Because um, we all, it's so easy to be like, oh, it's so great, I'm gonna create this thing and it's gonna be amazing. And it is gonna be amazing, but it's not gonna be amazing the first time and that's okay. Um, let it be step one, let it be version one and then work your way up. You don't have to release version one. Like where maybe version one, you only send to your friends and family, or maybe version one is what you put on Udemy and you get feedback and you learn from that. And, um, you know, you use that as a sounding board. Um, but like 
don't get, I mean, just like Chris said, just get started. Um, I think Udemy is actually a really, really good way to start, or I should say, or similar platforms. Um, The nice thing about it is that you don't have to figure out technology. You don't need your own website. You don't need any of that stuff. Um, You could make a course and then realize you hate making courses. That would suck. Like if you spent all that time, like figuring out WordPress and figuring out plugins and buying plugins and, oh, I have to figure out an, you know, SSL for my website so that I can collect credit card information. You go through all of that headache and then you realize you actually don't like making courses. Oh my gosh. Like (laughs) that would stink. So I would say like find, truly find that minimum viable product. Trust me, the idea in your head is not version one. Uh, Pair it back a little bit. Um, version, Version one, you should be able to create in a weekend. And uh, it might be terrible and that's okay, but get it up, get it out, figure out if you actually enjoy this stuff and then go from there. Fantastic advice from both of you. Uh, it's, it's been a real pleasure. Um, I'm you know, just personally fascinated by, by your story and, and all the things you guys have done right. So um, keep up the good, good work and it's, it's been great to have you on. So um, as we wrap up, you know, why, don't you, why don't we kind of talk about where everybody can find you guys online and you have several things going on. And if there's anything else that you want to, uh, to share with the audience out there. Well, first of all, I think that the cocktail recommendations we started with are a really good start. Margarita, <laughs> Paloma, great options. Um, but uh, really, if you, if you happen to be within our niche, within a niche, within a niche, um, you can definitely find our course. Um, I, think, I think that we were going to make a link. What was the link we decided on? I don't remember. All right. So here's the link. Theonlinecourseguide.com slash mixology slash mixology. So if anybody <laughs> wants to, to buy Chris and Julia's course and um, be mixology experts, hopefully by the end of the course and get a mixology certification, um, that, is a, that is a great link. And, and what are we doing? 10% off if you use that link? Definitely. Absolutely. And, and also I would encourage you, I mean, I don't mean to toot my own horn, but we've spent a lot of time um, creating that landing page and editing it over time and improving it. And, and um, maybe it'll give you some inspiration. So if you go to that page, you can look at what we've done, how we've used testimonials, um, some things that we've done around um, telling people who we aren't what a lot of people think it's a bartending course. It's not a bartending course. And frankly, if you buy it thinking it's a bartending course, you're not going to like it. So it's really important to me that you know what it's not. And um, so definitely if, if you're thinking about how you're going to market your course, um, feel free to come take a look. And I, of course I welcome your feedback as well. Um, as for the blog, you can find us at abarabove.com. We write about cocktails and bartending and how to be a great bartender, but um, we certainly do post a lot of yummy cocktail recipes as well. Um, And um, we also have our podcast called the Mixology Talk Podcast, um, which is in all of the usual podcast places, iTunes and Stitcher and all that good stuff. Um, And you can hear Chris and I yammer on about bartending and cocktails and um, all of that sort of thing. Love it. Chris, what's your go-to drink? Uh, Manhattan. Just a Manhattan. Love it. It's a great drink. It's a great drink. I'll definitely agree with you. Guys, thanks so much. We'll talk soon, hopefully. Cheers. Cheers. And there we have it. So thank you again so much to Chris and Julia. Really, it was just just an honor to just sit down and talk talk to those guys. Sometimes I just get lost in the conversation and forget that I'm I'm actually recording, you know, a podcast. And I just, I'm finding out a lot of cool information that I can take and apply apply to my own online course. Let's talk about links. Julia mentioned an affiliate link. If, if anybody out there that, that wants to take Chris's mixology course, we have a 10% off link if you go to the onlinecourseguy.com slash mixology. And I'll have that link uh, below this video. And if you're listening 
audibly, then, then that link will be in the show notes. Also, if you're listening out there and you are interested in taking whatever hobby or passion or niche it is that you have, and you wanna turn that into a profitable online course, I have a free quick start guide waiting for you at theonlinecourseguide.com. And that is the eight steps to turning your hobby or passion into a profitable online course. So like I said, if you're interested in getting into this and, and doing things like, like Chris and Julia did, like I did with piano, then that is a great place to get started. So thank you again out there for, for sticking with me for another episode of the Online Course Guy podcast, and we'll talk soon. Oh, 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 oh